reading is from John chapter 13 verses 31 through 35. When he was gone, Jesus said, now is the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where am I going? You cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Do we not have any of our regular little ones here today? I guess we don't. I know Freddie's on his way back from vacation. No children's message today. I mean, I can give it if you want, but. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our risen Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. When we look around the world, we see so many people searching and yearning for hope. In many and various ways, and and sometimes in some wrong and misguided ways, they they are searching for for a way to fill the void that's, that's within them. We know that loneliness is an epidemic in the world right now. Last year, uh, the nation of Britain created a new position in their government, a, a minister of loneliness, because they realized how rampant this problem is, a way of finding ways to help make connections for people that are otherwise lonely. Our, our technology that we carry around in our pockets isn't helping Right? We, we, we act like we're connecting with people online while at the same time ignoring the people that are right around us. And this loneliness just feeds into and fuels depression. We're seeing, we're seeing increased numbers of impression, uh, depression in men, which leads to suicide. Suicide is, is, is becoming one of the leading causes of death among men, uh, among, among men uh, 25 to 34 is the second cause of death, second leading cause of death. Among men, uh, 35 to 55 is the fourth leading cause. And these so-called deaths of despair, we continue to see them rise amongst men and women across our country. The U.S. has the lowest life expectancy of any other first world country. One of the wealthiest, if not the wealthiest nation in the world but yet we've got the lowest mortality rate. 
uh, Carol Graham from the Brookings Institute with, uh, with Sergio Pinto wrote a paper that was published recently in the Journal of Population Economics. And one of the things that they found in their study is that premature mortality and absence of hope are correlated. In this world, a lack of hope and death go hand in hand. Anger is another way that, that, that we see this lack of hope played out. We see divisions of hate evident through words of anger, actions of anger. We see it even here in our own country. It would be wonderful to say that, 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 that Christians weren't a part of this, but a lot of times they're the ones that are fueling so many of these anger-filled divisions between, between Christians and the world and Christians between Christians, denominations between denominations. It seems that if you aren't outraged against something, then you can't have an opinion about something. We want to be worked up into a fervor. I notice it even in myself with my own pet sociopolitical topics, my own theological topics that people should have the right understanding like I do, right? And here we are in the Easter season proclaiming hope. Proclaiming that, that Jesus lives, that he has conquered death and he lives in us. That life in Christ brings us a certain hope for our everyday life and into eternity. Many times in the Bible, we see love and hope go hand in hand. It's famous words uh, from Corinthians 13, verse 13. Meanwhile, these th three remain, faith, hope, and love. Multiple times the Psalms as well. Psalm 130, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. Psalm 147 verse 11, the Lord delights in those who trust him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Hope and love go hand in hand. It's difficult to have hope if you don't know God's love for you. And so in our reading today, Jesus gives us a new command. We're back into Maundy Thursday. We're back into the night that Jesus was betrayed. The reading begins when Judas had left, when Judas had gone his way to go and betray Jesus. Jesus says to them, Maundy Thursday, we call it Maundy Thursday from the Latin mandatum, which means mandate, a command. This is why we call it Maundy Thursday, because Jesus gave them a new command, a new command I give to you that you love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And within the command to love is an assurance of love. We are to love others as a result of Jesus' love for us. And because we know that Jesus loves us, we have a sure and certain hope that God knows us and God loves us. And that is why he gives us this new purpose. That, that the love God gives us is to be lived out in our lives. Not played out in anger. Not played out in despair and, and, and discouragement and a lack of hope. But in lives of love. 
the sure and certain hope of God's never-ending love, it finds fulfillment in us in the way that we treat others. And our hope, the hope that we have for love, is fulfilled in Christ. Verse 34, he says, As I have loved you, you are to love one another. Why does Jesus say this is a new command? Jesus has been talking about love for his entire ministry. And in fact, the, the Greek word that's translated love here, agapao, is used over 140 times in all of the New Testament. Over half of the times it's used are in John's writings himself, the disciple whom Jesus loved. John loves to talk about love. And Jesus has talked about the golden rule before, right? And people would come to him and say, you know, you know what's, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, well, the first is, is, is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbors as yourselves, right? That sums up the tables of the law. Love your neighbors as yourselves. But Jesus says, I want you to love each other as I have loved you. And this night, on this Maundy Thursday, the disciples wouldn't have fully understood what this love of Jesus meant. They wouldn't have realized this as something new until they had seen how much God had loved them in Jesus Christ and what he was about to do in giving his life for the sins of the world, in rising again from the grave. Only then would they get the full picture of what, as I have loved you, really meant. That, brothers and sisters, is what makes this command new. And I got to be honest, this is the first time this has ever jumped out at me like this. Because love your neighbor as yourself. What's the big problem with that? I don't know about you, but I don't always love myself. When I look in the mirror and I see who's looking back, I don't love myself. And I'm not just talking about the couple of pounds that I need to lose. And that was being gracious. I'm talking about, about, about who I see in the mirror, about the man who I know what he does, about the man who I know what he thinks and what he says. Paul says, I want to do the good things, but I end up doing the bad things that I don't want to do. I set out a plan for myself to not do the bad things, but I keep on doing them instead of the good. And this is Paul who evangelized the known world at that time chief of sinners. How can we love others as we love ourselves when we know that we don't always love ourselves? That is what makes this command that Jesus gave his disciples something new. Don't love yourself based on how you love yourself. Instead, love others the way that he has loved us. Love others based on the love that Jesus has shown you. And how much did Jesus love us? So much that he gave himself for us. And is this love that he gives us, is it deserved? Do we deserve it? No. But it doesn't stop him from loving us. Romans 5 verse 8, while we were still sinners... In other words, while we were still undeserving, Christ died for us. Christ loved us. That 
is the heart of the gospel. That no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, you are loved by God. And there is nothing that you do, there's nothing that can happen to you that can separate you from the love that he has for you. And the hope for love is always met and secured in Christ, who died and rose for us. We're never completely isolated and alone. We are never, ever without hope because he loves us. Because he loves us, we can hear and take to heart his new command for us. Because brothers and sisters, the hope that the world is lacking the, the love that they are looking for is to be met by us. Jesus continues, as I have loved you, so you must love another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. It used to be that the people of God were marked by circumcision. It used to be that the people of God were, were marked by, by the geographical place where they lived. It used to be that the people of God were marked by where they worshipped. But not anymore. Jesus gives us a new command, and he says, the way that people are going to know that you are my disciples is by the love that you have for each other and that you have for the world. And so how do others find out about this love of God? They can find out about it in church, right? We talk about it every single week. It's why we gather in worship. We gather to hear God's word, his law that, that, that shows us our sin and, the, and his gospel, which frees us once again. We gather to receive his gifts in his body and blood given to us through the bread and the wine. They can hear about God's love here in the church, but we know that for the last several decades, people just aren't coming into the church to find what they're looking for. They can find it by opening up the Bible, but chances are slim that they're going to do that. No, today, people need to see God's love in his people, in us, in the church. They need to see God's love in his people in order for them to know that God's love is genuine. Because your love, your concern, your compassion, your sensitivity towards others shows the world that what God has done for you is the real deal. And it's a huge responsibility. This is God's plan A. After Jesus ascended into heaven, this is how God loves the world. This is how God shows the world how much he loves us in Jesus Christ by how we love each other and by how we love the world. And not only is it a huge responsibility, but it also becomes our joy and our privilege. But we know that we cannot do it on our own. Our hope for loving the world can only come through the power of God. 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. We need a supernatural source to fully love others. And that source of our love is the resurrected Christ in us. 
And that means that I don't have to rely on my own strength in order to love people. Because God promises to work in me and through me by the power of his Holy Spirit. In Galatians, Paul talks about the fruits of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. That by having a living faith, the Holy Spirit works in us and we work with the Holy Spirit to love others. The love of God flows to us and in us so that then it can flow through us to others. But let's get real. This is nothing new, right? You've heard this all before. You've, you've already realized that without a living faith relationship with God, that, that, that there lacks hope for today and for eternity. You already cherish the love of God in Christ Jesus that he has for you and that, that he has put into your hearts and into your lives. You already realize and, and acknowledge that your witness and love is critical for the hope of the world. Because God's love indeed is the hope of the world. And we are commanded to share that love as Christ's disciples. How then can we deepen our commitment to care for others as God cares for us? Because love is a commitment. We need to commit to being loving. Because God loves me, I want to decide to love others with his power and strength. It flows out of a living faith that God gives us. And we must daily fight against that sinful self that tells us it's a whole lot better and a whole lot easier just to care about yourself. We must allow ourselves to get caught up with and to move with the Holy Spirit's leading. And so how can we live out this love of God by his grace? First of all, we need to know with certainty God's love for us. And we need to be reminded. It's why we commit to time in worship. It's why we commit to time, spending time in his word by ourselves and with our fellow believers. Because every time we gather, it's all about Jesus and his love for us. The church calendar may change as the year goes on. We may move from one sermon series to another sermon series, but the topic is all the same. I know it looks like a squirrel and it sounds like a squirrel, but I think the answer is Jesus, right? Everything we do is about Jesus. We look to the cross and, and we're reminded who we are as God's children, that we've been allowed to be God's children because of the work of Jesus on that cross for us. And this is where loving hope begins, at the cross. And when you know with your mind and your heart and your soul, when you know how much God loves you, you want to commit to caring for others. So we need to be reminded of how much God loves us. We also should begin with prayer. When you wake up before your feet hit the ground, give God the day in thanksgiving. It doesn't have to be grandiose. It doesn't need to be scripted. You can pray the Lord's Prayer. Or you can say something simple like this. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving me, for saving me, and making me your own, and help me today to be kind, to be gentle, to be loving.
to be more like you. Before you get busy checking your emails, before you get busy getting kids out the door, before you get busy getting ready for school, before you get busy making your lists and checking it off, pause. In an attitude of thanksgiving, give your day to the Lord and ask him to help you to love as you go. And thirdly, we need to practice our caring ways. Love is like, you know, muscle memory, right? The more you use it, the easier it gets to use. And it takes practice. One of my favorite phrases, not practice makes perfect, because none of us are going to achieve perfection this side of, of, of eternity. But practice makes permanent. The more we practice something, the more it becomes second nature. It becomes habitual. It becomes part of us. Learning to drive. We've got some relatively new drivers in here. A couple others who have yet to learn how to drive. I remember the first time I got in the car and with my driving instructor and my knuckles were white. I was gripping the steering wheel so hard. And, and, and I wasn't sure, you know, how hard to press down on the accelerator and you didn't want to rev it up and go really fast. I remember when Christine's dad taught me how to drive a stick shift. Um, it was an old Honda Accord or Toyota Corolla or something like that. And it was in Philadelphia. Um, learning how to drive a stick shift in Philadelphia is a whole lot different than learning how to drive a stick shift in Indianapolis. Because Indianapolis is relatively flat. Indianapolis, you, or uh, Philadelphia, you got a lot of hills. And I remember we were, we were on a hill with a cop behind me. <laughs> oh my gosh. And but once I got the hang of it, you know, it's, it's been a few years since I've, I've, I've driven a manual, but you hop in. You see where the gearbox is? I've done it enough times that it has become second nature. When we want to become truly caring people, we have to intentionally do things that might feel awkward at first. And remember, it's not about stepping outside of your comfort zone. It's about expanding your comfort zone. Smile at people when you walk past them. That'll shake them up a little bit. Say hello to them. They're not going to expect that. Get into conversation with somebody in the shopping line. Find out a little bit about them. You don't need to get pry in and hear their entire story. But in engaging with people, you'll get opportunities to show that you are a loving and caring person. And the more we practice, the more natural it will become. Not only will it become our second nature, it will become our true nature, who God is recreating us to be. God wants his church. God wants us to be a beacon of loving hope in an otherwise hopeless, loveless, and dark world. If we were left to just love others as we love ourselves, we too would probably get caught up in desperation, sinking into despair with the rest of the world. But Jesus has given us a new command. Don't love others as you love yourself. Love others as he has loved us. Will we get it wrong? Yes. 
That's why we come and we confess our sins for those times that we have not loved our neighbor, for those times that we've broken God's law, that that we've been selfish. But Jesus gives us a new command. Love others as he has loved us, and his love is everlasting. It's never-ending. It's undeserving, and it's sacrificial. And that love, brothers and sisters, is the hope of the world. For our good, for the good of the world, for the expansion of his kingdom, and for God's glory. Amen.